Welcome to the first DDO DM podcast. Today's topic, player-driven content and will it work in D&D online. I've seen some activity on the forums. I'm a long-time player, guys. I usually don't like to speak or say much, but I'm a long-time player, and the forums have been largely dead or, I hate to say that, dead, but they're largely dead or they're just filled with, um, you know, a lot of um, bugs or, you know, people are upset about something or other. And I'm not trying to make this into something negative. But that's just how the forums are generally used, to report bugs and to um, voice uh, someone's displeasure or how they feel about a certain thing. So I've seen uh, activity in the last few months from other players that are suggesting ideas. And the archetype thing is really cool. And it seems like some players um, have even translated that into like a racial type version. And I thought it would be cool to not shout out the, the shout shout out their work, you know, like just go over their work and talk about it, and maybe offer your opinions or what you would do differently. Um, the first one that's up to bat for consideration is the rogue archetype, the factotum. It's from a game called Dungeonscape, and it gives up armor proficiency, sneak attack. So it basically, I'm I'm going to try to read and summarize. It looks like to me, it's an intelligent based uh, rogue that gives up its rogue abilities for monk defensive abilities. And it looks like a, a type of paladin's divine grace, but it seems like that's a, a key based. So it'll be a key based buff and you'd get the paladin's divine grace. We'll go through it now. Um, now this one's uh should be uh, pretty quick. This is level two cunning insight. You gain a, um, uh, early on, gains and key power allows you to gain intelligence to saving throws, like Paladin's Divine Grace. Um, he's thinking it's a toggle, or I think it'd be cool if it um, just, you know, you kind of spam it like an ability and it uses so much key and then it lasts so long. That would be that would be uh, cool. Also, at level two, they get the meditation feat, which would allow you to get more key. I'm not going to go over the stuff that exists in the game, guys, because this will take forever. But um, these are really cool. Arcane Dilettante gains artificer knowledge with wands and every three levels after that. So that's pretty cool. And it also functions for divine wands as well as um, arcane wands. That's cool. Um, Retain Essence. That's granted at level five. And it's like the artificer's ability. Level six is Cunning Combatant. And it uses your intelligence for attack and damage with any key-focused weapon. This is... um, very role play and cool, but we do have, um, and I'm sure he knows. We, you know, we got the Harper tree. Someone that's done this knows that. So this is, um, I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it slide and say it's okay because um, this seems like a definitely a, a different type of role play um, experience. A level eleven, you would get uh, improved cunning insight. It no longer costs key to use your um, your intelligence based paladin's divine grace buff. And it would either always be on or it would just be free and on the cooldown. Then um, Assassin's Enhancement Pool would be replaced with the Chameleon Enhancement Pool. And this is pretty interesting. These cores, um, I'm not sure if these would be worked into the tree. He's got them labeled as cores. 
Um, but let's go over them real quick. So they're tog- toggleable abilities, and um, we'll just name them right out. The first one is Path of the Warrior, which focuses on combat, you know, so think melee and ranged. And then Path of the Mage focuses on wand and scroll damage and DC, which I think is really cool. Path of the Healer focuses on divine uh, wands and scrolls uh, for healing and damage. Path of the Scoundrel. This would raise your um uh looks like your ability to uh to disarm traps and to sneak. I'm not sure how um how useful that one is, but uh Path of the Minstrel provides uh provides buffs for allies. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh it says there's a note on the bottom that says I want to combine chameleon with master of masks where we could add more options. Um that um, aren't just supposed to be lightly mimicking another class. And that was something I was picking up on with this Path of the Warrior stuff. So it seems like um, there would be uh, not an overlap with these classes, but they would be, I'm assuming, like a lesser form of the class. And um, you would kind of build into the the monk side to give it a backbone. And then on the top, the flavor of the class would be whatever, whichever one of these paths you decide. Um, that is the rogue archetype factotum. Um, it, again, it has, um, it's an archetype. So it, it, these are, this one is more of like a, it's feet based and it looks like it needs an enhancement tree, but um, uh, it, this is a lot of work just to get this much done is, is a lot of work, especially, you know, I would imagine he did it in one sitting. So that, that's a lot of work. Let's move on to the next one. This one is called the um, Iteration 2 Half-Dragon Racial Template. This race can be added. um, So I I read this before. This is pretty cool. Um, So this this template can be added to any race um, via a UI like the archetype drop-down menu. So when you go to select the Paladin class and it gives you, you know, the regular Paladin class or Sacred Fist. If you went and selected Human, you would have Human or uh, Half Dragon um, Human, which I I think that's pretty cool. Um, So once you choose this, uh, if you choose that that template, so you could be a Halfling one or whatever, I guess that's pretty cool. This is, and that's good for role play, you know, that expands your options. And if you just happen to like Halflings, now you can play Halflings again. Uh, once chosen, the racial feats and enhancement tree replaces the original races, which is kind of assumed uh, in that first leading statement. And then it looks like there's um, uh, visual options that unlock um, as you do the past lives, which is pretty cool. I don't think they've done anything like that before. But you would uh, have access to um, scales, horns, tails, and wings customization, which is which would be pretty cool. Um the racial feats that come with this class are magical training. Dragon blood is magic incarnate. That's that's cool and totally reasonable. Master key. I, I already attempt to pick a lock with your claws. This ability operates as an open lock check using your concentration skill plus highest ability modifier. Thieves tools are not required, nor do they um, affect the chance to succeed. The interesting thing about this, it's, it's basically ripped from the, the orc, the half orc. And... Um, similar worded but um it's kind of broken for them it doesn't they they don't think it uses the uh, ability score modifier only the intimidation role so that's cool 
just I'll just say right off the bat, um, I'm already kind of um, paying attention because magical training unlocks the fade arc illusionist tree um, without multi-classing. So to add some more functionality just right on top of it right away as, as being able to pick locks like uh, is, is pretty, um, that's pretty powerful isn't the right word, but that gives your character a lot of, um, a, a lot of dungeoneering skills. So the racial skills, um, spellcraft and jump are never considered cross-class skills when leveling up. That's makes sense. You know, dragons have uh, magical inclinations and they have wings, so. The jump is there. Um, we get right into the cores. This is uh, looks like it's totally fleshed out. So this is a this is a big one. Um, uh, core one is claws of the dragon. So hand wrap proficiency um, and your attack animations change to the razor claw shifter. Yeah, see that is they always talk about how the animations are so expensive and that razor claw one. Am I the only one that thinks that's so cool? And um, it's like they did. They could have added something like that to Tabaxi, or I just can't believe that they just. Uh, it's only to that one class, and that class is, while not um, unplayable, um, it's you know not not the not the best iteration. So it's like, geez, let's get those animations to use. That would be great. Core two is Constitution. Core three is uh, plus one on view die. Um, Core four is Constitution. Core five is perfectly honed, and this is your base hand wrap attacks are considered one step higher. Um, that could be pretty powerful for a monk, um, either multi class or dip, or just for the monk class if you went monk. But I can also see this being cool just from a role play standpoint if you were going to um, just want to use the hand wraps as a damage weapon. So I think that's, uh, but not, you know, not focus on being a monk. So that, that's what I think is cool about that. I don't know if that's necessary. I don't know much about the monk or I've played it. I know it, but I don't know uh, about the steps or anything. Tier one is dragon blown claws, plus one to hit and damage with hand wraps and uh, fluid strikes. So these are all, these abilities are ripped from other trees and I can, I recognize them. I don't think they're the they're different names. Fluid strikes is uh, three six ten percent offhand strike chance. So this is focused more. That is at least focused more on a two two weapon fighting. Sharper instincts one two three to assassinate DCs. Triple threat. I do like that name. Uh, one two three uh, to diplomacy bluff and intimidate skills. That's cool. And then lore you gain another plus one and you die. So here we go. Then we get into some more cool stuff. Um, a dragon sight. Your irises and pupils are vertical and penetrate into the ethereal plane. That's cool. Uh, I hope they keep wording like that. Uh, we have some wording like that in our trees, but not enough, I don't think. And this one simply gives you true seeing. Um, I I saw some of the threads, uh, some of the uh, threads uh, or posts other players have uh, posted in this thread, and I know they were saying uh, they thought that was a little too overpowered. Tier two, true seeing. All right, so I um, like I said, I think that's cool. The dragon sight, the if they made the pupils uh, and irises vertical, that would also be sweet. Um, it gains true seeing. Somebody had said that this was overpowered, but you can get that at level one. I know not everybody can, but um, 
you can get this at pretty low level, guys. This is not something that's uh, going to break the bank. And I can already tell just – well, I can't already tell, but uh, I think um, – my estimation is right now this would be a great tree for beginners who don't have access to some of the things that um, long-term players have. And just from reading ahead, let's let's read ahead. So Aegis of the Mother, which is cool. Um, Aegis of the Mother, the reason why that's cool is because, if I remember correctly, second edition, Dungeons & Dragons introduced half-dragons. And... They, the mother was always the dragon, and I think it was like a certain chromatic one. I, I can't remember, but I think that's what it was. So that's an interesting little callback to that. Now, that's a pretty cool. So Aegis of the Mother, three five seven physical resistance uh, resistance rating and three five seven AC. Um, those numbers are a little high, but I think that uh, like I think they're usually like two. Like I think they usually stop at six and not seven, but I'm that doesn't bother me. This is a newer. Uh, addition to the game, and uh, I'm not nonplussed by the number going up one. Um, and uh, next uh, ability in tier two is scaled elasticity. This is 10 maximum hit points and 10 to healing amp. That's pretty cool. Uh, Dragon, Dragon Blown Claws 2, that's a plus one to hit and damage with hand wraps. Um, so tier three, here we go. We're getting to some of the good stuff. Ancient Resolve, uh, plus 5% sacred bonus to hit points. False Anticipation, uh, one, two, three to your uh, uh, maximum armor dexterity and maximum dodge bonus. Blood Memory, I looked at this one earlier. This one is saying plus one caster level, plus two max caster level. I would like to see plus two caster level, plus one max caster level. I think it would open up the... Um, uh, multi-class options a little bit more, making some of the uh, buff spells a little bit more effective. Um, and, and I'm not going to get into all of them, but obviously, um, you know, Death Aura is uh, could could be affected by that. So if it was two levels higher than uh, you know what you could cast it at, um, that would be pretty good um, and make it maybe effective at a low multi-class investment option. Anyways. The next one is pretty cool. This is uh, this one is pretty cool. Winged entrance. So um, I it doesn't say here. It just says rush forward. But I'm I'm imagining in my head that the wings that you finally get at life three, the wings you get, I'm, I imagine would um, would animate. <laughs> but we're guessing here. Uh, winged entrance, rush forward, dealing a certain amount of damage to targets when you land. I'm assuming this is an area of effect. Uh, uh, when you land, you do increased crit threat and increased crit multiplier with this attack. Uh, enemies must pass a balance check or become tripped. That's cool. Uh, enemies that fail to save are considered helpless. So that's uh, DC 10 plus character level plus higher civility modifier plus assassinate bonuses. Okay. So this uh, almost seems like um, I love the uh, the falconry tree. And this, and I love the Razor Claw Shifter. <laughs> so these look like uh, the Pounce and um, one of the other abilities uh, from uh, the Falconry Tree. And I can't remember right now the Bird Attack one. But I think the Bird Attack one blinds. And then this one, instead of instead of it being like a Bird Attack, what it does is it takes the, uh, what the effect would be Instead of blind, he's giving it tripped, which makes sense. The tabaxi get it, and then um, applying the helpless. 
So I think that's, uh, I don't know, that's pretty cool. Um, I, this doesn't seem overpowered to me because um, when you run with uh, two or three casters, um, and, and, and I'm not saying that I always do, but a, a lot of times uh, people are playing casters, especially on that reincarnation train. And, um, you know, that ash spell, the fireball, the burning hands, the acid spray, that, all that stuff is uh, hard to compete with. And something like this that would allow you to, um, to close the distance, deal a large amount of damage, like cobalt, say, right? Because this would help you uh, take out like a, a high level, uh, and I'm trying to think of high level... Uh, like a high-level mob in an epic would help you chunk it down, but the reality is um, it's, it's not going to match the spells, and it won't match the spells at level or uh, or once it gets to epic. At least I don't think it will. And then, um, so that's cool. Then the last one is Power of the Dragon, which is 3, 6, 10 melee plow power, range power, and universal spell power. So that's um, that's pretty powerful. Um, I think the numbers on melee power, I don't know what they are in ranged, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think the range power or the melee power is a plus 10 to melee power would almost be like, uh, I don't know what it is to damage, but it's not that incredibly large. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I actually didn't read that before. So I'm just kind of processing that. Ten melee power is a lot for tier three, um, especially at um, well, it's six AP. So it's it's a pretty decent amount of AP. Um, uh, you know, it's not like it's a, like, I mean, you know, if it was like, okay, so let's say if it was two different selectors, and the selectors were the numbers were lower, and it was one AP a piece, more like the Harbor Tree, then I think. Um, that's I think what this is like a, almost a combined harpentry one, which makes sense to me because uh, there's uh, that harpentry one is cool, but I don't think anybody ever uses it. Um, but this would be a case where you would use it, um, but because it's unique um, and the class is already unique, people might think uh, might get the wrong idea. But uh, to me, I think the um, the magical. Uh, getting the magical training and then the pick lock is way more powerful than 10 melee power. But uh, you can uh, discuss. Well, I'd love to hear what you guys' thoughts are on it because um, I love theory crafting. I'm not that great at the game. I do play it a lot, but um, I, I'm always interested to talk that. So that's why I like these two because they're like new classes. You can, well, they're not new, but they don't exist. But it's, uh, it's interesting to think about builds you can do. The game sometimes gets so... Uh, get used to used to playing with those classes so tier four there's not many things in here it's tail of the dragon you lash out with your tail attack against multiple target uh activate this ability in a cleave um your tail deals a certain amount of damage it deals enough 200 percent melee damage whichever is higher and then it also decapitates the targets causing them to die instantly um is there okay so th there is a Okay, so your target is slow for 30% uh, speed. Um, and then there is a decapitate DC, so they don't just die when you hit them. DC 10 plus character level, highest um, ability modifier and assassinate bonuses. Uh, totally okay with this. Um, 
especially tier four, I get some people are going to argue, uh, you know, the racial completionists, they're going to get this at level one. And I don't care if you're doing that, the cobalt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care if you, if, if it, if they don't code it properly and the Vorpal attack of the tail worked on undead, I don't care if you're doing that in Hayden's rest, <laughs> it's not going to bother me or affect game balance. Um, so I don't, um, I, I don't think that's, that's an issue. And then later, because I think what this would do later is help balance out your uh, your ability to keep up with uh, some of the casting classes. You, you probably can't beat them, but you keep up with them. Draconic knowledge. So this is a very uh, loaded one, too. The effects of spell point items are doubled. If you already have this feat, you gain 5% spell points. So this is interesting because it gives you this ability to... Um, it seems like it's dipping its toe into magic stuff but it's also dipping its toe pretty heavily into melee stuff. So I don't know where um, where you'd be able to uh, multi-class this one because it seems like there's a couple of different ways you could go. And I don't know if you'd want to go two-handed with this one. Uh, that's definitely another discussion, melees. But um, the so the effect of spell point items are doubled. That's cool. And then Dragon Bone Clause 3, which is plus 2 to hit and plus 1 to damage. So you get plus 3 to damage with hand wraps, and it would go up one step. Um, That doesn't seem... This seems pretty complete. It actually almost almost seems like it's its own class. And I only say that because you can easily pull defensive stats from any of the classes now. You could look at the classes and just pull defensive stats. So if you wanted to go Sorcerer, this would make a really powerful Sorcerer. It would also be extremely cool. Um, but I can see it making a really awesome Monk, a multi-class character. Um, so those are cool. In this tree, so I'm look, just scrolling down here uh, to the thread to see if I miss, missed anything. And it just looks like um, I haven't missed anything. Um, and people are just talking about what um, if this would even come to be into the game because it's quote-unquote overpowered. Uh, there is a lot of utility in this, but I'm not sure if there's a lot of power in this. And um, I wouldn't be fooled by the 10 melee power. Um, I know some, uh, you know, they, they're really restrictive with the melee power and the range power, or with the melee power. And um, I, to me, I kind of see if, if what he's going for is, is, hey, devs lighten up with that type of a thing, um, I, I'm okay with that because we don't need to talk about the state of melees. So we won't. But giving them access to 10 melee power and a racial enhancement tree that also focuses on casting, Let's be honest, is that a bad trade-off? If you're a caster, you could cast. If you want to melee, you can melee. And what's 10 melee power? You know, we're talking two or 300 at the end of the game. So I'm not going to, you know, this is a good tree for, um, it's got a lot of utility. This would be really good for a, a new player. And a new player, I think, would really, um, really have fun playing this. I think it almost, the thing I think would be interesting for a new player is I can see them getting a forum build and then quickly wanting to make it their own because there's a lot of options here that kind of, you know, they kind of Jenga with other other classes. So that one was cool. Uh, let's go on to the next one, guys. Um, it is going to be the Yonti Pureblood. I saw this one on here. It was by, uh, 
another forum poster here. And I think I read this one all the way through pretty much. And it is really interesting because one of the things I think all three of these trees do is they move the barometer. Um, they're, they're powerful enough to get by with what they do. But they also move the barometer enough that you can role play with them. And you don't feel like um, you're uh, missing out. Because some of the issue we have in DDO, let's be honest, is there's just always the meta and it's always breaking. And I think one of the ways you can attack that is by making it attractive to um, to do other things. Maybe they're not equal in power, but maybe it's okay. You know, maybe it's it's good enough, you know. And I don't mean good enough like, oh, you're doing, you know, 15,000 less damage than I am on my spells. I don't mean that amount of difference. I mean, maybe it's just a little bit. So, so I think that that's one of the things I like about these is that it totally pushes the bar towards, um, uh, towards the role play aspect. If you ask me, um, being able to role play as a half dragon halfling, a half dragon elf. And I played a little tabletop and I know that um they like some like some elves have uh in Eberron anyways um and we have access to Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms in this uh game and we're not going to talk about that but let's just talk about the Eberron thing for a second with the half dragons elves have uh, like a ritual so in, in each one um has a kind of a different uh a different interaction with that and i think that's um uh, that's that's just really cool um so let's move on to the Yuanti Pure Blood. The Yuanti Pure Blood is, uh, let's get right into the cores. Core one is Pure Blood Dominant, 2% quality bonus hit points, and 2% for, uh, plus 2 fortitude save. Pretty good. Good for everybody, right? Uh, core two is Dex, Wiz, and Int. Um, that's a lot of choices. Core three is Pure Blood Dominant, uh, an additional 3% quality bonus to hit points, and plus 2 fortitude save. And core four is Dex, Wiz, Int, and 2AP. Oh, well, I'm not saying the 2APs, and I'm also not saying describing the level that you would take these at or they would be available at. Um, I'm not describing what how many APs you have to spend. So, so pure blood dominant, one and two for quality bonus hit points and fortitude save, and then your ability uh, bonuses in that core tree or the core level. And then in tier one, you have natural observer, which is spot, search, and listen skills. Um, that seems pretty, uh, pretty, pretty normal. We've seen that before. Lithe is uh, almost. That's pretty awesome. Uh, one, two, three to armor class and maximum dexterity bonus. That's pretty cool. Weapon familiarity. Use your dexterity bonus to hit with scimitars. Um, I like that it's tier one. Scaled toughness. Five, ten, twenty hit points. Obscuring darkness. Uh, you channel your Yuan-Ti nature to manifest a zone of obscuring darkness that will foes inside the darkness. Suffer a 20% mischance um, due to concealment. Um, this attack does not apply to people outside of the uh, obscuring darkness. And then this is affected further uh, up the chain. So that's just, a to me, that reads as a tiefling ability. Um, so... So tier one is the uh, your armor bonuses, your search spot and listen skills, uh, dex to hit, and uh, more hit points, which is always good. Tier two is reptilian reciprocity. 
which is 15 spell power. Uh, wow, poison spell power, huh? That's cool. Uh, pure blood pride is 2, 4, 10 MMR saves and uh, saves against poison. So that's cool because um, I think Ruantis traditionally have a resistant to magic. So, And here's another roleplay one. See, tactile tongue, you gain blindness immunity. I think that's uh, an interesting way to in- interact with the lore. Tactile tongue, you know, snakes, they have that tongue that can... Um, kind of sense they can kind of see with their tongue that's cool i don't know kind of cool weapon of seth you now use your dexterity bonus uh for determining bonus weapon damage so it's uh dex dex damage line night worker one two three to assassinate dcs tier three is going to be the secrets of seth one two three high move silently and i love this uh, the 75%, well, 25, 50, 75% uh, movement speed while sneaking. I think, uh, I know the uh, ranger tree there, the um, the sniper tree. What's the deep wood sniper? That one has something similar, and they split um, the uh, hide move silently and the movement speed. They're, they're separated out. Now, I, I realize that, um, that this is a small thing, but the assassin tree, they're both absorbed together. And this one, the secrets of Seth, they're uh, together. The skill bonus and the movement speed, and then the deep wood sniper—they're separated for some reason, and it's just—it's you know—it's not even really that that useful. And then to separate it out and make it less attractive is uh, not cool. But I like that because it's—it's it's, uh, the secrets of Seth is high move silently and, and the movement speed thing right here. With the next one, swimmer, you gain plus fifteen to swim skill and underwater action. I think that's cool. Like those two together, you can move really fast in in the shadows, and you can move really fast underwater, and you uh, you can breathe underwater. I think I think that's really cool. And then the lasting darkness, enemies that enter obscuring darkness have a chance to be blinded. And here's another one, sprint boost. So I'm sensing a pattern here. Uh, usually this is a, a just a, a movement speed boost of the action boost variety, but I think that's cool. That's interesting. I didn't notice that there's a there's a stealth movement speed, there's a swim speed, and then there's just a regular action boost, which makes sense to me. This is a mouthful. Discipline of the Sibilant Death. Stealth melee assassinate attack. Okay, so it reads attack on sneak attack, plus five sneak attack dice, kills target instantly, fortitude save, 10 plus character level, plus dex bonuses, plus assassinate bonuses negate. So, interesting. It's like a so it doesn't do as much damage as the um, assassinate from the assassin. Um, and I think this would be more of a, a flavor thing, which I'm in favor of uh, because it's powerful enough that players are going to use it. It's not overpowered, but it's powerful enough that you could use it and um, it would kind of fall into that role play scenario where maybe you do get ahead of the group and you get a couple of sneak attacks in and, um, or excuse me, you, you a couple assassinates in, and then you know your your party opens up with the fireball after you've taken a couple of them out, and then boom, you all of a sudden you're right there, you come out of the shadows. That's cool, <laughs> um, and that's not going to break the game, and uh, certainly not going to affect boss fights. Snake poison plus one two to imbue die. Kind of saw that coming. Reptilian regen gives you plus fifteen to healing amp, which is always useful, and then acolyte of darkness the last uh, tier four here. While in Obscuring Darkness, you gave uh, you gain saving throws, magic resistance, and uh, magic resistance cap. So that's probably the... I don't know, but I'm assuming that's a tiefling, uh, tiefling one. 
there's a, there's a suggestion down here to add to swap out obscuring darkness for average black tentacles and I would love to know if 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 you guys like this kind of stuff too. I I'd love to know what you guys think if that's too powerful for something like this. Um, obviously we'd have to take out. I'm assuming I'm guessing you take out obscuring darkness, and it's you know progeny, so none of the um none of the other uh, selectors would be there, and you'd probably have to shove this thing into. I would I would imagine tier four. You'd have to shove average black tentacles into tier four. So, and I I think the whole tree is pretty balanced power wise. Like nothing seems to be too low or too high. So I don't know what you would uh, what you would swap down um, for that average black tentacles. I know you'd probably piss warlocks off because uh, they love that spell. <laughs> uh, but I get with the Call of Cthulhu and the Snake People, um, Shadows of Inmouth, that kind of, uh, you get that vibe playing it like a snake-type character. So that's cool, and that's two races. So one would be a race proper, right? And then one would be a, a template race that could go on any any race. So that, that opens up your um, role-play options and your, um, your visuals, too. Um, one adds an animation, uh, like an attack animation. So that's that's a lot of uh, different. You know what I noticed? Um, thinking out loud, the uh, you know the dragon one we did. There was no bite attack and there was no breath weapon, and I didn't see featherfall or any way to use the uh, wings other than the one um, attack. I'd like to know what you guys think about that because I think that one's a uh, good. I think that's a good tree. I think that's a good tree for uh, veteran players because I think it would be fun for them to play. Um, but I also think that'd be really beneficial to, um, you know, like a new player. Um, and obviously it's going to be a paywall thing guys, right? Like, you know, it's, uh, it's new. It's got a, we, we did notice that a couple of the numbers were one point higher. And I think that, uh, you know, that's reasonable. And, uh, I think it's uh, okay to think that you're going to have to pay for that one and for the one, two one, cause it's super cool. I don't think either one of these, uh, come close to the Tabaxi Iconic. Uh, well, the Tabaxi Iconic is just so awesome, and it was worked so well uh, with like the Monk Rogue thing. It just, it's just hard for me to uh, that Tabaxi one. Tabaxi Iconic is really powerful. So one of the things I wanted to highlight while doing this is how hard I've tried to do this, and I have. Uh, it's very hard to do this. You got to respect these guys sitting down, typing all this stuff out, thinking it through and, and trying to match things with the lore and you know they're not trying to like these don't seem to have too many what i would call filler um, enhancement tree abilities these are all very useful and while they may not be as powerful as some um, they're all useful to you in some way it may be useful to a certain type of build more maybe less um, but that takes a lot of uh, forethought and a lot of um, a lot of thinking down the line a lot of thinking about how this thing would interact um, and epics and raids and stuff. And these two, um, these two um, vehicles we just talked about, the Yuan-Ti and the Half-Dragon, I don't think they would um, they would be impacting um, raids anytime soon. I will say that the rogue archetype, the Factotum, that, that particular uh, archetype would probably be impacting um, raids because you can toggle on and off depending on the cooldown. Um, almost what class you are, uh, basically what class you are representing. So um, I would be interested to uh, to see that one employed too. So we got some pretty 
these are pretty pretty uh, cool that these players did this. Um, I didn't find it too lab laborious to read them on the forums, um, but I, quite frankly, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm not burnt out, but I just, I'm ready for these new archetypes. You know, I'm ready for them, and I'm ready for something really new, like what these guys are talking about. Um, and just to highlight that point, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast and talk about it is somebody had uh, posted Let's do the Clockwork Sorcerer. And I thought that was a great idea. I really like the Clockwork Sorcerer. The issue is its abilities are so tied to the dice roll and advantage and disadvantage and the rules of 5th edition. It's like I started to read over the class and I'm like, I don't even know how to explain this, let alone extrapolate any of it into Dungeons & Dragons Online. And now I haven't uh, looked at the Half-Dragon template in many years and I don't even know if there is a template anymore. I don't know. I know there was a, I don't know if there's a template anymore. I, do you want to pure blood? I haven't seen that. I don't know if I, I haven't seen that just in a, a monster block, never in a, so I don't, it's been a long time. So the fact that these guys went through and took that information and made it like DDO'd it, like a DDO DM would, that's pretty cool. Because if you look at that sorcerer clockwork, um, it seems kind of easy at first. So the archetype is supposed to um, come with the Pale Master Tree, access to the Pale Master Tree to the Sorcerer. So the Sorcerer would have the Pale Master Tree as well as the Clockwork uh, Enhancement Tree. And the Clockwork Enhancement Tree also grants you Cleric Spells, not all kinds of Cleric Spells, but some Cleric Spells. And... Um, the clockwork specific buffs also come with, um, like the class abilities come with buffing your temporary hit points. Some of your spells are going to buff your temporary hit points. Access to the Eldritch Knight tree and the Pale, Pale Master tree on a sorcerer with cleric spells that buff your temp HP, uh, class abilities that buff your temp HP, false life, and all these other abilities that we have to buff. Um, temporary HP, that seems charisma-based. You can look at uh, Warlock to multi-class. Um, that seemed a really interesting pick. I was really hoping to see that one fleshed out. But once I started to read about it, I mean, I I mean, I, I thought that the I could tell why the guy didn't, uh, you know, why he didn't go full bore into it because it's, that's, uh, I mean, you, you have to come up with some of your own roles. And while these... Uh, kind of come up with some of their own rules, the Yuan-Ti and the Half-Dragon and the Factotum. Um, I would say these three that we covered are, there's already something like them in the game and they're not redundant. These three we covered aren't redundant and they're unique. Um, they're standalone, um, but they're great for multi-class and I think they're really cool for RP. Um, let me know what you guys think. I'm interested to know what you guys think about the um, uh, couple of things. The Tier 2 uh, not the tier two, the tier three. You want the pure blood, which is basically like a movement line. You got the the you know, the hide move silently speed boost, the plus fifteen swim skill, and the underwater action. That's a speed boost, and then you get the action, the sprint uh, action speed boost. So I'm interested to see what you guys think about that. I'm interested. You know, this guy gets blindness immunity, and then uh, the half dragon gets true seeing. I think that's um, I think actually the the original half dragons. I think they get blind sense. So I think maybe tremor sense. I don't know. Um, they get something for blindness, but I think true seeing would be 
is a, is a good trade-off. And I think it's good for new players too, because, you know, new players aren't going to grab a tier two thing until, you know, that mid early game, like level five or level six. And while, well, if you're, if you play this game a lot, you can get there really fast. But if you're new, say you're new when you play through Corthos, and then you're like, oh man, I want this half dragon thing. You see some guys playing it, you want it, you buy it, right? Because it's so cool. It's so overpowered, right? And um, to get to level five or six as a brand new player, dude, that you look at some of these posts and some of these Reddit posts and some of the forum posts about getting to level five or six as a brand new player. Um, I think you'll, uh, you know, you'll appreciate the fact that they're, they're going to have to pull from their class trees to get through seeing if it's that valuable. And really, who's that valuable for? You know, that's someone on the TR train that's, you know, doing Reaper or something. That's, I don't find that to be uh, incredibly overpowered. I do the magical training and the uh, unlock. I'd like to know what you guys think of that. Um, all right. Thanks, guys.